And welcome back. Well, I don't think we need as many welcome backs because we haven't been gone as long. Well, we haven't been gone long. I mean, this is a little bizarre to uh, be doing this again so soon. No, this uh, this quarantine is everything I ever dreamed it would be. Except for you know, seeing people I mean, and doing home projects and. Uh, I didn't necessarily... People dying. Well, yeah, and I didn't necessarily picture a bunch of people all standing outside the Capitol building in Michigan protesting, but, you know, that's cool. Health and public safety is not necessarily a thing that everyone needs. It's unfortunate, uh, the things that are kind of going around around going on around the country. Uh, here in uh, New York City, um, it's actually quite unfortunate. Uh, there, I mean, you're Jewish. You're familiar with the Orthodox uh, burying rituals. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is that they haven't been able... Usually you have to have your relative... In the Jewish religion, you have to have your relative buried within a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, 24 hours. Um, but especially in the Orthodox community here in New York City, where they live in such close proximity... Uh, the virus has spread like wildfire. This is from yeah. the New York Times that I read today. Um, and they are not being able to follow with the tradition of getting... There's just too many bodies, mm. um, unfortunately. And um, also just with... They're having like online shiva calls now, and it's just... It's becoming more and more difficult, and it's really, really unfortunate. And presenting... Un- I mean... There's just so many challenges. Yeah. No, uh, one of my friends lost her grandmother. Um, I don't even think it was to COVID, but just with what everything going on, it's been really difficult for them to get things planned and the funeral arrangements taken care of and everything with public health at where it's at. So, yeah, where our thoughts and prayers go out to them and everyone that's uh, absolutely affected. Pretty much everybody, thoughts and prayers. Welcome back. Welcome back to another edition of the Hoops Temple Podcast. I am Richard Blue, and on the line with me, as always, is Nathan Schwartz. Mr. Nathan, how you doing? Doing well. Doing good. Richard, do you know what, what we're about to do and what it signifies? Um, I don't know. I got my stimulus check. What does that mean? So, we first started podcasting in late October of 2017. We are recapping the first season that we podcasted over. Oh, wow. This is a big deal. Yes, um, we are going to be continuing our series of dives into previous seasons. What are we calling it? The re-review? I don't know. That feels very ringer-ish to call it like the re-reviewables. You're right. It's not a re-reviewable. I'm just saying it's the re-review. Yeah, we're re-reviewing 2017, 2018, talking about the good old days you know, if ESPN can show us all these finals, we can go back and we can talk about the how we got here, the seasons, what happened. Absolutely. Um, I would also like to make a note for the listener and for uh, you, Nathan, that this was the first season that I stopped watching the NBA. And I had been following... More or less. There was a couple of years in the 2000s where I didn't care. I think 07 when the Pistons won that boring year with the in the finals uh, versus the Spurs. I don't think I watched that season. And then before that, it was 1996. I think this, the, the last year, the Rocket. I don't know. I don't have any basketball memories before Jordan 
winning against the Jazz two years in a row. So, so we still we've um, got a ways to go before we run out of memories. Though we've got a ways to go, but yeah, this is the the year. You know, Kevin Durant made me stop liking basketball. Isn't it wonderful? I think it was actually the year before that Kevin Durant made you stop liking. Oh, basketball. the year before. All right. Well, this is the second year that he had made me stop liking basketball. Um, yeah. And uh, let's let's get into it. Yeah. Let's just and jump into the season. Let, let's 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 jump into it. Start us off. Uh, we're going to do a little bookkeeping, or housekeeping, as I like to call it. Um, so let's go over and let's give uh, the outline. All right. So the seventeen eighteen season was the seventy second season of the National Basketball Association. Uh, it started on the seventeenth of October um, the all-star game was played in Los Angeles Le- LeBron won the MVP it was sixth time that LA has hosted it um, and the playoffs started on the 14th of April in 18 and ended on June 8th with a sweep with the Warriors beating the Cavs in the 18 finals um, all 82 games were played there were 30 teams in the league uh, the TV partners were ABC, TNT, ESPN, and the NBA's NBA TV. Uh, top seed overall, best record was the Rockets. MVP was Harden. He also was the top scorer. Um, pick for the draft was Markel Fultz by the Philadelphia 76ers. That pick did not um, age well. I think well. we're going to... That pick wasn't good then and it isn't good now. No, it's not. Let's move into, uh, what, the rookies? Moving into the rookies. In the draft. You know, this was a, a surprisingly really good draft, actually. You know, the star rookie of this season was, was probably Ben Simmons, who... Was Frank Nittalikino. <laughs> He's probably more in the bust category. It was Frank Nittalikino, we know. Hey, I'll take him on L.A. Continue, continue. I like his defense. I'm, I'm in the Frankie Smokes camp. Anyway... Continue. I'm sorry. I just couldn't help to interject there with that one. So Ben Simmons takes Rookie of the Year this season, but as he was drafted in the previous year, he was not technically part of this draft class. Within this draft class, you have Tatum, Bam Adebayo, Donovan Mitchell, De'Aaron Fox. This this was a, a pretty star-studded. Well, not like star, star studded. Are you kidding me? Jonathan, Jonathan Isaac, Josh Jackson, Zach Collins. Malik Monk, Luke Kennard, oh my god. Hey. You know how many games the Pistons won because of Luke Kennard? Don't sleep on Jonathan Isaac, though. He's, he's a defensive player. You know what? I mean, look, this draft will be really known for the two Jacksons, Justin and Josh, that went 4th and 15th. Oh, wow, I, I remember TJ Leaf. <laughs> I think it would really be remembered for kind of a point guard bust. You know, when they took out the hand check rule... Point guards have kind of taken over the NBA. So many of the greats that are currently in the league are in that point guard position. And this looked like a stacked point guard draft. And then it just it didn't pan out. And then it wasn't. I mean, what we're looking at, Fultz with the one, Lonzo Ball with the two. Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head where Smith and Frank Nilakina ended up. Those are two uh, two notable names in the top ten I know haven't really panned out yet. Do you have a, do you have a star pick from the draft, a sleeper? Bust and then OG Nobi. OG Ananobi? Yeah. He's he was he was he was not bad. I liked him. No, I still like him. Like to see him get more time and more minutes, but I feel like he's been injured. He's been in and out a bit. I mean, missed last playoffs, mm-hmm. so he he has a ring, but didn't get to be a part of finals. Um Bam, out of buy I'm I'm just going over your uh your star picks. I have never seen this guy play. Is he good? Yeah. Bam's kind of been the breakout star. 
or the Heat this year, he'll be in the most improved conversation. Like what you wanted Draymond Green to be. He, he can guard pretty much anyone. He's about 6'10", long arm. Arms, um, just Draymond Green meets Giannis Adenokounmpo, but not quite Giannis's length. Like, you, you have to blend the two together, and you have this defensive wrecking ball with de- decent passing, uh, who can drive fairly well. I'm, I'm a big fan of his. I think he could end up being the best player out of this draft at this point. Interesting. Um, by the way, one more note I want to make on housekeeping. The pace was 97.3 average possessions per game. Right? Or no, did I read that yeah. wrong? Uh, there was 97.3 possessions per game. Uh, in comparison, though, to the 2020 season that we just finished watching, um, we're at 100.2 possessions per game. So we're mm-hmm. already seeing it be just a little bit slower. There's 106 points per game back in this season. We're at 111 right now, so we're ticking up about five more points per game per team. Slowly but surely. That'll uh, that'll really start to come into play when we get further back. I was looking at the, the 99 lockout season. And that was at 91 points per game. So, All right, so let's continue with these stars. we got stars, sleeper, bust, snoozers. You, I see a snoozer here. Semi Ojele. 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 You know, I kind of like these. How to describe them? They, they just work hard. Like, Ojele is kind of a lank. Well, not lankier, but just imagine Big Baby Davis, He's like a Mike, but with like a guard motor, or Micah Oluwa Candy. Yeah, like but shorter. Somebody could could be a player, and I'm I'm sad that he's not getting more of a run in Boston with their lack of big depth. So, I'd like to see that. Oh, he went to SMU. He also went to Duke. Guy gets around. Interesting. Damn, that's I mean that's a huge. I mean that's Larry Brown's old SMU, but um. Yeah, um, so we got, obviously, you got some obvious people here. You got Simmons, Mitchell, Kuzma, Fox. Um, I think that uh, for the bust, I don't want you to write Frank Nilalakina or any of the Knicks picks anymore. Just put the New York Knicks under the bust category for draft. Like, there's, who we, who they draft is is irrelevant, to be honest with you. Like, it's irrelevant. We're just the worst, you know? I mean... Funny enough, in your bus list, Nathan, you've got Nidalekina next to Dennis Smith. Well, that was intentional. And they're both both on the Knicks. The Knicks traded for the two guys. that were, They're both point guards who were drafted next to each other. Can I s- People were arguing that the Knicks should have taken Smith, and it doesn't even matter when they should have taken is Donovan Mitchell. Can I say, I actually kind of like that strategy. Um, if you're going to be bad, like, and you've got some of these bad picks... Try to acquire them, because there's a chance that some of these guys might just be a late bloomer. They, they brought in Emmanuel Moutier, they brought in and Dennis Smith. Like, if a team's willing to give up on a top-tier draft pick early in their career, there's no harm in giving them a shot. Maybe it was just a bad situational fit. Now, everyone's a bad situational fit in New York, but, like, <laughs> the strategy is sound, right? <laughs> It's so mean. It's so mean. It's 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 so true, though. Oh my god. Do you want to know what else is so true and so mean? The Knicks started seventeen different players this season. 
including Ron Baker, Luke Cornett, Troy Williams, Doug McDermott, Damian Dodson. They're, they're Wait, this is in the 1718 season or the current season? Uh, their main starters were Emmis Cantor, Courtney Lee, 34-year-old Jared Jack, Tim Hardaway Jr., and Kristaps Porzingis. Honestly, I I don't I don't have a response. I'm gonna just. Would you rather have you know? Would you, I I've been trying to write New York State like trying to get the Attorney General to file a lawsuit against him, James Dolan, and try to force him to sell the team. I think that would be the best way to go about this. You know, have the Attorney General kind of come after Dolan, just be like, what you're doing to the state of New York is not fair. Because you got Knicks fans, because Mello went to Cuse, you got Knicks fans. People love the Knicks in Syracuse. They love the Knicks in Albany. You know what I mean? There's only one real New York team. Yeah. It's amazing how this mark, this massive market was able to, like, that the Knicks were able to own the own it entirely. When no other league has just one team in New York. It's impressive. I mean, Brooklyn... I, I'm not. A, yeah, but that that's been that's fairly recent. Hmm. You know, originally, obviously, the Nets were originally in New York as well. When Dr. J was on the team, they were the New York Nets. That's the jersey I want. But that was also in the ABA. True. So, like, the NBA has only literally had one franchise in the entire New York. Municipality. Well, here which we'll give you still. Fun. We'll give you something exciting to talk about. Something pro New York uh, from the players that entered the league this season. Players that retired uh, during the off season. Uh, the guys we're saying goodbye to: uh, Paul Pierce. It's time for Ashawn Prince. Meta World Peace. New York's own Meta World Peace. My mother had a crush on Tayshawn Prince. Really. Yes, I remember when the Pistons won in 04, she was like, oh, Tayshaun Prince is cute. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, um, New um, York's own David Lee, Matt Barnes, Karan Butler. One of Isaiah's, one of Isaiah's, uh, one of his second round One of his picks. great picks. You know, D. Lee was, was great, man. He's a lefty, which always frustrated me in video games, but. He uh, he did win a dead title with the Warriors in 2015. Yep. Uh, my boy, who I love so much, the six seven like, I don't think he was quite Robert Trailer, Tractor Trailer, but he was a fighter down undersized like big like. You remember you're talking about like the, the, the fatter guys or whatever. Yeah. I think Jason Maxiel would would fall under that category. Oh yeah. Yeah. He w- undersized workhorse Robert Trailer. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. He was just six seven pulling down boards, you know. He would he's that he was he was a great role player, Jason Maxiel. You know, you've got Matt Barnes out here, who's probably more known now for his fights with Derek Fisher, but dude, dude was a killer. Part of uh, some really good Golden State teams that we'll get to talk about. Um, I like Tiago Splinter. I will never forget James Jones uh, and his relationship to to Meta World Peace. Because after the brawl that happens, Malice of the Palace, Pacers are so stripped down, they've got no one to play these games, and they put out James Jones, and James Jones drops 20-plus, and might have even hit 30, on Paul Pierce, 
and they interview him afterwards and they're like wow did you know you could do that he's like oh yeah i play nba live all the time i do that with myself every night <laughs> just, just a oh man great moment and he, he was dead serious like oh yeah yeah i play 2k i do that do that all the time um he's currently the vice president right of the uh sons it looks yeah like. he has rings with cleveland and uh tried to give lebron james he got all of his ring he's been He's been on every championship, LeBron, LeBron championship. Oh, team. true. He was in Miami. Every single one. Yes, he was for both wins and then with the Cavs in 16. So basically people say LeBron LeBron can't win without James Jones. Well, and he tried to give LeBron uh, Tyson Chandler, and I forget who else he was trying to cut that slash trade to L.A. to give them rings. So I'll take it. Let's let's keep uh, keep James Jones is, in power. Is this, wait, is this LeBron, is this LeBron's... He hasn't won a championship since 2016. Wow, that's a long time. Jeez. Well, anyway, yeah, that's it. Karan Butler obviously was amazing. UConn grad. Uh, Two-time All-Star. Yeah, splitter. I think we covered everybody, right? We talked about Meta World Peace, right? Hey, well, Meta World Peace won championships and was a signature part of other seasons. We'll get to him and more. Um, okay, we sweet. We didn't really touch and on Paul, Paul Pierce, Pierce, of course, too. But yeah, same sort of deal. Coaching changes were pretty much blah. You know? Yeah. Nothing crazy. There was there was no hirings in the offseason. First time ever in NBA or BAA history. So pre-NBA. This has never happened. Uh, and there was 536 days between a coaching firing. So that's that's the longest stretch in, in NBA history, which is kind of fun. Well, there was really no reason to... F- you, you know why that was because the freaking Warriors. There was like, there's no real reason to like... It's not like my team's going to win anyway. So I think that the Warriors being so good actually extended some good graces to some coaches that probably if the league had been more competitive they may have lost their jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... And... I know I wouldn't be firing anybody. If I was Dolan I'd be like, well, now the Warriors are good so you can't get mad at me. It is funny, and we do kind of see it when we hit the transaction stage here. Which let's let's just jump right into transactions. The Warriors' dominance was really kind of forcing things to be shooken up, and what we see here, it, especially for the Knicks, I, I don't have a single Knicks transaction. I do, but continue. Sorry, I just I just I have to throw shade at the Knicks every opportunity I get. Well, so what we saw is we saw cl- uh, the Clippers, the LA Clippers really finally make that break and say Lob City is done. We're busting this up. And so let me let me kind of read the outgoing names and the incoming names. Um, before the season starts, they trade away Chris Paul for uh, for a package that they kind of they, they later rope in another trade. But basically Chris Paul leaves and they get Pat Beverly, Montrez Harrell, Lou Williams, and Danilo Gallinari. They also let J.J. Redick walk during this time. Um, he goes to Philly. Then uh, midseason, they trade away Blake Griffin for Avery Bradley, Boban, and Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris, they, of course, then, you know, later flip, flip to get uh, some more of their pieces. But this is really setting the stage this season where they say, all right, we're done. Let's trade off everything we have at its peak for more assets, which has helped set the stage for them to then get Kawhi and Paul George so I think that's kind of a cool yep. thing to see in retrospect where they got all those pieces 
to make some big, big moves. I mean, Blake Griffin, I mean, his career has just cascaded pretty much since he left Los Angeles. Yeah. I, I, it's really a shame. Blake, Blake's going to have kind of a sad career post-mortem because he had some great seasons, and I was looking back. Like ESPN had him ranked in the top five players in the league a number of years, and you know for injury reasons, for fit reasons, I always thought that he would be better um, if he had the ball more and you got to do more point Blake. And the Pistons tried some point Blake, and it looked great um, before he got hurt. You know, maybe playing with Chris Paul wasn't the best fit fit for him. Also, maybe playing with DeAndre Jordan. You know, because if you got Jordan and Chris Paul. Just, just Lob City, which is literally what they were. But, like, you don't really need Blake at that point. You know, to get some shooters, space the floor. Where would have Blake been a good fit? I mean, maybe I could have seen him have some playoff potential. You know what? You're going to hate hate me for saying this, but pair Blake Griffin with Carmelo Anthony. Let Blake run the team and be point Blake, and then when you need a bucket, you've got Carmelo as a go-to scorer. I'm still healing from the Carmelo years, but it just feels like he was so much better in Denver than he was in New York. Yes, 100%. He was so much better in Denver. Like, I remember watching those Nuggets team just being like, wow, this guy is unreal. You know, and he was out west. Yeah, he he made the playoffs his rookie year. There was, I, I was firmly in the Carmelo will be better than LeBron camp for longer than I should have been. If Carmelo would have went to the Pistons, I watched that What If video uh, from Mike Corzimba. I mean, I don't believe all those things would have happened, but the Pistons with Carmelo would have been, you could have seen a dynasty, uh, potentially. You know what? Joe Dumars would have made the right choices. You know what I think is is another interesting What If? Um, The Pistons really wanted a big man because they had that hole at the four. So let's say they take Chris Buck which is the kind of other what-if. And we're getting off-topic for this, this season, but I like this. Right. So let's say they t- <laughs> they take Chris Bosh at, at two. Well, Darko's still on the board. Let's say Denver takes Darko, because Darko was really good, in theory. He was supposed to be He was supposed to be Jokic. Yeah. And Denver's actually got a, a nurturing environment that maybe Darko could have been something in. That then pushes Carmelo down to Toronto's spot, but at number four, what is Carmelo's career like if he goes to Toronto? Is he then the Chris Bosh for the, the Heat championships? Does he bounce out of there? You know, there's just so many other possibilities that... Mm. That is interesting. It's amazing, by the way, that Toronto was able to recover from Bosh leaving to win a title. Yeah. If I'm just going to read off the other let's transactions. Let's get back on topic. Yeah. So the other, the yes. other major transactions that we saw... Um, from this season, during the offseason, there was, uh, of course, the Fultz for uh, Tatum trade, which is just, just a wholesale Boston win at this point. Um, there's the Pacers, who traded Paul George for Victor Oladipo and Sabonis. Really looks great for both teams in the in the postmortem. That was one of the rare win-win trades, I think, that we we. We'll, we'll we'll see we'll see in general. It also is weird looking at this to say there wasn't a pick involved. You know, normally it was a. But the thing is, if you look back, it was a fair trade. Straight sure. up, both teams improved. 
Yeah, no. It, I don't see either team lost. Oladipo blossomed. It 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 worked out really well for both teams. It was, but you know, you just think normally, normally if you're trading a superstar, a pick is usually involved. I think Indiana knows basketball, and also Victor Oladipo knows R and B. He's got an album out on Apple on uh, streaming. Have you? You should check it have out. You listen to it. I have like listened to a couple seconds of it. Um, I have it in my library though. It, uh, but yeah, very sexually charged. A little saucy for you, for the listener. I'm just saying. Um, you're, you better be having sex to that songs, or it's awkward. Because I don't want to make any kind of suggestions here on on on, the, on, a, on a basketball podcast, but um, you know whether you you could listen to it while cooking. No, no, you cannot. <laughs> there, it, it is, it is not subtle. Like this guy, this guy listened to the Isley Brothers, and he's like, "Well, that's nice, but I'm gonna take it up a notch on how sexually charged we can make this music." Well, he's an all-star now, and he he made uh, he rescued a. Pacers franchise from irrelevance after George left. Yep, and and Sabonis is now also so, an all-star. So it, which is, but well, Sabonis has got the name, man. Sabonis, I'm proud of him though. I'm proud of him. Gonzaga player doing well. I think the first one since uh, Adam Morrison. That that did not end well. I can't wait till we talk about him. I can't wait till we talk about him, man. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, so the other two oh. notable, <laughs> notable transactions that I took from the season were uh, Denver bringing Paul Millsap, which I thought was going to be a great fit, and he's kind of just aged too quickly. It kind of looks like a bad deal now, but you know it is what it is. And then Boston bringing in Gordon Hayward, and I think both of us were really high on Boston heading into the season. I know we finished recording. I remember. We finished recording our Eastern Conference preview, posted it online, went to go watch the game, and we're like, oh, Gordon broke his leg. Okay. Well, our yep. podcast that we just spent an hour and a half recording is now invalid. Good job. Pretty much. Poor Boston. I mean, they still didn't do too bad. No, they, they recovered but, uh, well. Poor, like, and neither of us... It was actually probably better for them not to have Hayward. Which... You know, neither of us actually had them uh, as the one seed. Oh, you went back and, and checked our... Yes, sir. Oh, wow. Look at you doing all the homework. I feel now... Oh, man. See, I just... this. I wish we would have done this podcast like in 16 and 15 and 14. We're going to. Of course, I didn't know We're you then. We're getting there. Yeah, we hadn't gotten I drunk know. on a rooftop oh, yet. We'll get there. Oh, man. So, for, for the listeners, um, Richard and I have this glorious friendship that basically started because we got drunk on a rooftop and tried to convince our friends to name their future baby who is now a baby nathan richard which means nathan means gift richard means dick so we're trying to get people to name their baby gift of dick hasn't happened yet which technically which technically that is what a baby is it, it truly is this is the most accurate it literally baby. is that I like. I have a friend, Colleen. It doesn't get more literal than that. I have a friend, Colleen, who hates her name because Colleen means girl. It's Irish for girl, and she's like, "Wow, 
my name is the most boring name ever because I am a girl and my name means girl. But if the child's name is Gift of Dick, it's it's a much more elaborate way to say it's a baby. <laughs> oh, man. I'm very upset. What I miss? You didn't put this in your notes. The Isaiah Thomas trade. Oh, shoot. Yeah, I, I, Kyrie Irving gets traded. Kyrie demands his midseason trade. Or not midseason, but offseason trade. This was a huge year. This was a massive year, dude. Oh, I, oh I do God. have it. Right underneath Wolves trade marking in for Jimmy Butler. Oh, you do? Wait. Oh, wait. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait. There is. There. Sorry. I did not catch that. Sorry. I saw Cavs trade. Sorry. Cavs trade Kyrie Continue. to Boston for Isaiah Thomas in a move that does not does not end well for Cleveland. They end up retrading Isaiah before the season's out. Um, and the pick becomes Colin Sexton. So kind of a loss all around. <sighs> It's crazy. Poor Isaiah, man. He was MVP candidate to just basically, I don't even, he's a free agent now. He was actually, what's funny is that, all right, so Isaiah Thomas graduated from the University of Washington. I remember playing with him in like uh, March Madness video game. You know who else went to the University of Washington? Markel Fultz. You know, uh, I'm, I'm pulling back up this, uh, this list of top trade uh, rumors the six most likely spots for for Kyrie to get traded because I remember this was this was a fun discussion where everyone was talking about it of like who where could he go and there was talk about quotes um the Spurs trying to get him talk about the Timberwolves giving up Jeff Teague and a couple other things to go with LeBron um even Philly was considered or that like there's talk Philly flipping Markel Fultz, Fultz and some of their maybe their other young assets. Let's go to LeBron, and it just Phoenix got involved. That was a really fun rumor session and swirling, and it lasted for a while because he didn't get traded until what was it like September or something. They were taking their time, being smart. Yeah, not really being smart. I mean, and, they really nothing really worked out. And it definitely took a it took a huge toll on the Cavs that we'll see when we get into the playoffs. Let's let's move into into the awards and kick things off with the All Star because there was a bit of a change with All Star. This is the first year they had the All Star draft. So the leading vote getters from each um, conference uh, got to pick the players, and it's not quite a pick one through twenty four. It's pick from the starters, and then pick from the reserves. I've got the order pulled up here, and I think what's What's always kind of funny is is one team doesn't draft well. Like last year, we, we probably could have looked at it more. Giannis didn't have the best draft. Um, I, I think Curry Curry could have drafted a little bit better. Curry ends up with the Rosen. Uh, I guess LeBron took Kyrie Ir- Irving early. Yeah, I guess I guess it was a fair draft. Like to see like to see them be a little bit more competitive, but it was fun. It was a good year. Um, this year's All-Star game was also a little bit weird. There were four players who couldn't make it, so you end up having 28 All-Stars because of the injury reserve guys added on. Anyone you're excited to see in that All-Star game? Anyone that jumps out to you, or either positively or negatively? Oladipo, baby. Oladipo. I was. I just remember just he was always going to be good, and he just needed his chance, and it's just Oladipo, man. Oladipo and George both end up on LeBron's team. And Oladipo really, 
like we say he blossomed just to kind of put that in perspective he led the league in steals this year he was an over 20 points per game score it was tied for her ninth in scoring in per game top 20 player efficiency rating in top 15 usage he he really kind of he established himself he deserved to be in this game and with his more recent injuries, we don't. I don't know if he'll ever make it back. Um, but if he ends up being a one-time All-Star, he fully deserves his one All-Star. It's just a beautiful circular story where he goes back to the place where he went to college and shines at the for their local basketball team. Oh yeah, I forgot that he went to Indiana. Yes, he was. He's a Hoosier, so it was just, it was serendipitous, if I use that term correctly. I believe you did. Also, I do need to correct myself. He has. He was a two-time All-Star, although he was not able to play it. Two-time All-Star. Yeah, I was going to say he, he definitely uh, made another uh, team. He made it in eighteen nineteen, but uh, was injured and did not play. That's why it was slipping my memory. Do you have a vote for least deserving All-Star? Yeah, the Jamal uh, McClure. Probably Kevin Love. It's hurtful, sad, but not not wrong. And we'll, we'll definitely see that when we get into the playoffs. I feel like my Jamal McClure All-Star is going to be Andre Drummond, which he averaged 16 rebounds this season, which is just insane, and he led the league in defensive rating, but defensive rating is a really unreliable statistic when you look at how bad of a defender Drummond is, and how little he impacts winning, and I know he's still young, but he's now in Cleveland. I don't know, I just could see, see him washing out by like 32, never having accomplished anything, and you just look back at the stats and always think, man... This guy should have given more, but he never did. I think he just never was in the right situation. I don't think there is a right... Well, I don't know. I would have liked to have seen, you know, actually the Clippers... Or not the Clippers, the Hawks get him. Sickly athletic. Sickly athletic, man. Yeah, but he's not good. 16 rebounds a game is 16 rebounds a game, Nathan. Sure. Fine. I'm just saying, can you get 16 rebounds a game? Um, yeah. I'm also going to miss 15 shots. That's how I'm going to get my 16 <laughs> rebounds. That actually might be less than uh, Drummond, right? <laughs> Zach. Well, from All-Star, oh, I know we touched on MVP, but before we go back to MVP, any other awards that, that jump out to you that you want to highlight? All right. Award section. MIP obviously was Oladeeps, even though Dinwiddie definitely deserves like a, a shout-out. Lou Williams won Sixth Man of the Year. Casey. Who would be fired the next season wins Coach of the Year? It's the kiss of death. It happened to uh, George Carl, too, and a couple others, if I remember correctly. Maury definitely winning the Executive of the Year was well, well, well deserved. Great. The guy put together, you know, pending a Chris Paul injury. Like, that team was, they were the perfect fit together, really. They were, sp- you know what I mean? they were supposed to challenge the Warriors, in which they did. They took the Warriors to Game 7 and were up at 3-2. Before Chris Paul got injured. Could have very well seen the Rockets win the title that, that season. Um, Gobert, Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, really um, it's fun awards, you know. Um, I don't know. I'm just so happy with Oladipo, man. I'm just, like, reveling in the Oladipo-ness of things. Um, For me, the one that really jumps out is All-NBA second team. You have both DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge. And, like, DeRozan? DeRozan's taking a lot of crap for not being able to lead his team to a championship, which is something that happens for 29 teams where they don't win a championship every year. 
<laughs> and like, I just I want to say DeRozan. DeRozan wasn't a, a perfect player. wasn't a, a superstar. Would have been much better if he could ever develop a three point shot. But like the idea when San Antonio needed to move Kawhi to bring in DeRozan, pair him with Aldridge. It's not a terrible idea. You've got two guys who individually were the lead guys that got their team into medium playoff situations, first, second round. Let's not hit on DeRozan Look, too. As a Knicks fan, I would have killed for I would have killed for DeRozan as a Knicks fan, all right? So I I think it's really funny that Aldridge and DeRozan are on the second team. They would eventually be teammates. The other funny enough. The other thing that I find funny is the more I look back and the more I do these outlines the more I realize the all-rookie teams are complete garbage. Like, Kuzma makes first-team all-rookie, uh, but then Josh Jackson and Dennis Smith Jr. make second. Josh Jackson's not going to be in the league in two years. Dennis Smith Jr. is already not that good. Kyle Kuzma is really not that good. And you just see these kind of... If you look back at the all-rookie teams year by year... There's just so many gaps where you're like, wow, these guys are really stretching. Well, think about it. Every In every draft, maybe four or five players actually hit. Yeah. That's 60 players drafted every year. Only four or five players actually become mm-hmm. Those statistical numbers, like, the thing is, I mean, look, but you got to have the draft picks to take the chance on getting a really good player, but then the player has to land in a really good spot. And, you know, like, I don't know if Curry would be as good as he was if he was on the Knicks. Or if he was in Minnesota, when they drafted both Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn, you know, if you've got Rubio next to Curry, actually, that'd be beautiful passing. But still, the the lack of shooting, yeah, so much of players' success uh, really depends on fit. I've been I've been gearing up for the draft. I want to put out a new mock draft, so I've been rewatching all of the. Well, I've got several big boards and kind of pulling them down. I'm trying to watch about 90 guys. I'll pick 60 of them and throw them into a mock. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, Denny Avadja, and he's he's a beautiful, lanky passer that, like, he reminds me a lot of Hidu Turgaloo in his best days. And I'm like, wow, Hidu Turgaloo on the Kings was nothing because they buried him at the bench, and then he was practically an all-star for Orlando. It, it matters so much where these guys get picked and where they go. It's the truth, you know? It's just such a crapshoot. It really is. Mm-hmm. For instance, let's let's bring it back to this current season, right? Sure. So you got Zion, Ja, Hit. Uh, I guess Rui. I heard good things about Rui. Yeah, he's he's been okay, but you know he's he was okay for a rookie, and if he falls off next year, I wouldn't be entirely shocked. But uh, other than that, that's it, right? Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, you know, Barrett's not been terrible. I'm holding out hope that Jared Culver will will get better. He is. He has been god awful. Sit- Culver came into a really bad situation. Culver had a great NCAA tournament. Yeah, but uh, and I was rooting for him with Texas Tech. Man, he was he was you know I wish he would have stayed. They would have still been really good. Damn near won him a national title. Freaking Virginia. Ugh. Yeah. So basically, like that's that's like three players. Yeah. You know, next year. I, I, also, also, what I'm saying is is rookie all rookie teams mean absolutely nothing and it's a complete crapshoot that that's my that that's all i'm saying is is rookie teams don't get excited if your guy makes all rookie team 
it doesn't mean he's good. I wanted to go over. We're heading into stats right now. Right? Um, can I touch on MVP real quick? Yes, you can touch on your MVP. So Harden wins MVP, and when I was kind of researching for this, there's no one else really in consideration. Statistically, you can make an argument that LeBron was better, but he drove Kyrie Irving out of town. Cavs were in disarray. They almost get bounced in the first first round, fourth seed in the East. You can't give LeBron an MVP. No one else comes close. But what I find really interesting is that Harden has taken second in MVP voting three times, and it, if and when the 2020 MVP voting takes place, he'll probably take third. So he's got one first place, three second places, and probably a third place. This man's been top three MVP five times. Uh, just by MVP shares, he's got the 13th most MVP shares in league history because he's usually pretty close when he takes, takes second. It's like a 60-40 split. Where is he going to fall into your all-time grades is the question when it's all said and done. Is he top 50 already? I think he is top 50. Um, I'd, have to, I'd have to check, check the matrix. He, he has peaked out the top end of the like elite scores with no playoff successes. The guys like Dominique Wilkins, um, Carmelo Anthony, Alex English, the guys that are like, we put up insane regular season numbers, but we never get it done in the playoffs. James Harden is is the well, apex of that. So Harden is the best of those. Yeah. Yeah, that's basically where it's... Which would put him in the top 25, probably. Not quite there yet. Because um, to, to make it that high, you need playoff success. Like... Right now, um, last year's rankings had Dwayne Wade at 25. So if that kind of gotcha. gives you a, a ballpark way to think about it, you, you can't just have great regular seasons. At that point, playoffs are kind of needed, and you just got to kind of be a higher echelon tier. Uh, yeah, Harden's definitely better than Carmelo, for sure. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Harden also fell into the right situation with the Rockets? Or would he have been good pretty much? At, like, if he would have went to the Knicks, do you think that Harden would have been probably putting up the same numbers i actually would have really liked to have seen him less ball dominant which i think i think everybody kind of agrees upon okc he was he was off ball too much uh, as a bench player you know the sixth man they tried to put him in the Manu ginobili role and he's got he's much more skilled than that but he can still do so much off ball that i, w- I would have liked to see him with competent players around him in some sort of flowy offense I, I think you could put him into a Golden State-style system and probably get a championship version of him. I don't know. Maybe... maybe. It'd be interesting to see. Maybe Harden needs to go sign with the Warriors next. Gosh, please no. Um, Doing the draft prep, it makes me so happy that this is not a great draft because the Warriors getting... Like, if the Warriors get the number one pick and they ended up with, like, a Zion type, that would have made me unhappy. I think everyone would have cried. Like... There, Everyone would there are some good players in this draft, but no one no one that I've looked at is just like, wow, that guy's a surefire superstar. Yeah, I haven't really... Last year was like the last year because of Zion. I mean, I don't know, like I said, it's just been a weird year. 2020 has been Well, weird. this was a, a terrible college year. Um, a lot of the best players in the draft did not go to college. James Wiseman played three games at Memphis before saying he's out. LaMelo Ball went to Australia. RJ, or, yeah, RJ Hampton went to New Zealand. Uh, one of the guys from right. Tel Aviv is... LaMelo, 
Lamelo in in the NCAA would have been great, but Lavar was like, uh, uh-uh, uh, we ain't giving them no more money. Well, did you hear? Um, it just got announced today. The uh, the NBA Developmental League has finally figured out how to do uh, competitive salaries for high school players uh, that want to skip college. So they're doing um, it's a five hundred thousand dollar salary with incentives that could get up to one million. Uh, and they got the number one ESPN's number one rated player, and it sounds like another top ten guy is considering going this path to go to the deep, uh, the G League for their development, and just skipping college entirely. Wow. Yeah. This is gonna this is gonna change college basketball forever. Hopefully. I mean, then who go? I mean, will it make? It'll just make the tournament. Just like. I guess we'll have a bunch of Villanovas win that best te- the best team will win every year. Well, you know, I think it um, I think it could improve the level of college basketball instead of getting a lot of one and dones. You will have less elite players, um, but you might have better teams because you'll have more guys that are are the three and four year guys. Stay. Yeah. Right. Question though, how do you if you're coming out of high school? Do these players play in the G and still have to get drafted, or the teams compete to try to sign this guy? So it seems like they're being put on a G League select team that will be focused in fully on development. They won't play a normal G League schedule, uh, but they will have G League teams come in and uh, play exhibitions against them. They're going to play uh, foreign teams, national teams. It, it's still kind of in the works, and a, a full plan's not laid out yet, but it, it sounds pretty cool. We'll see what happens with wow. it. I'd be interested to see that. All right, let's move forward. We're almost to the playoffs. So let's go. We're going to do some stats and then standings mm-hmm. by stats for this season. So points per game leader was Harden, 30.4. Drummond led the rebound, 16. Assists per game, Westbrook, another triple-double season, pretty sure, 10.3. You, said, you already, already touched on Olivier led the league in steals. Davis in blocks with 2.6. Turnovers... And fouls per game were both DeMarcus Cousins with 5 and 3.8 respectively. Ooh. Hey, hey, hey. LeBron led in minutes. Maybe we shouldn't have been as concerned that he would sign with Golden State the next season. <laughs> minutes a game, LeBron had 37.3. Field goal percentage, Clint Capella, 65.2. Catching them lobs. Uh, free throws, Curry, 92.2. Three-point percentage, Guess who led the league in three-point percentage? Ooh. Corver? Darren Collison. Really? Yes. 46.8%. Wow. Harden had 29.87 efficiency. Are you are you shocked? Collison, UCLA guy. Yeah, yeah, I'm a little shocked. Um, it makes me wish he came out of retirement more this season. Although with COVID, um, guess it doesn't matter, but that would have been really nice to have on LA. The Lakers, not yeah. the Clippers. They have two <laughs> efficiency. Harden led with 29.87. Towns had 68 double-doubles. Westbrook had 25 triple-doubles. Um, that was just nasty. Team. That means triple-doubles. It's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, statistical leaders for teams. This is where it gets funny. Uh, points per game with the Clippers, 113.5. Uh, rebounds. Philadelphia, 76ers, 47.4. The Warriors had 29 assists per game. That's how many, how many field goals did they have? Steel. They're probably making 48, 45, 50 baskets. That's per game. That's that's really good to think about that they're uh, they're just getting that many assists. Let me see here. League average was 21 
in assists per game, so they're they're up by nearly fifty percent, thirty forty percent. I'm not good at math off the top of my head, but they've got they're really up on assists per game. Blocks per game with the Warriors also led hmm. with seven and a half blocks a game. The Warriors surprise, right? It is. I know. I know one of Phil Jackson's big coaching uh, kind of idioms was if the Lakers could get. 15 combined blocks and steals in a game, they should never lose. So I, I do always like seeing who, who wins the blocks and steals. And the Warriors averaged uh, 15.5 combined blocks and steals, which is just insane. Unbelievable. Uh, and uh, with 15.9, nearly 16, the Sixers led the league in turnovers per game. That makes sense. It's very congested. Crazy, right? Well, so this is the first year. Yeah, congested. This is the first year. Oh, so Simmons probably. Like. Yeah, it's the first year you've got Simmons and Embiid together. The push and the pull of how will these guys work. The last, I want you to guess, who led the league in field goal percentage and what did they average? Field goal percentage. Didn't you already say this? Wasn't it um, Clint Capella? Like 60? No, no. The team. Team statistics. Oh, teams. Um, yes. Philly? No. Golden State led in field goal percentage. Guess how much they had? 48? 50.3. Dear God. And let me guess, they also probably led a three-point percentage with close to 40? Yes, uh, 39.1, and free throw percentage, 81.5. Yep, that's... 50.3 field goals, which means every other shot was going in for Golden State. That's how you win champions. And yet they still didn't lead the league in wins. Didn't, weren't they hurt a lot Wait, this year? I feel like Golden State was hurt a lot this year. Yeah, Curry only played 51 games. It's still unbelievable. Every other shot went in. If it's not broke, don't fix it. And the Warriors coming off back-to-back championships, or not back-to-back, but uh, two in the past three years, certainly feeling like they were invincible. Some uh, standings? Yeah. Um, The season kind of ended on on really a highlight note that the NBA is trying to recapture with the play-in games. It ended with a Timberwolves versus Nuggets overtime game where the winner gets the playoffs and the loser loser's done, which was just a, a fun way to end the season. It also was the moment where I joined Team Jokic over Towns. Um, Jokic played phenomenal down the stretch. Not that Towns played bad. They're both not great defenders, and Jokic was matching up and trying his best to defend Towns and doing a good job of it. Meanwhile, Minnesota was like, we ain't even playing this game. Taj Gibson, you can go guard. Uh, Jokic and we'll put Towns on Millsap in the corner. It just it's solidified uh, Team Jokic for me. He is a fantastic player. I think this was also the year I got to see him play. The other thing that that ended out the season was uh, Philly on their insane run uh, in the final. Do you remember how, what that run was? I know you pointed that out earlier. Was it like yes, yeah? The Philly, the Sixers. As we jump into the standings. Uh, the Sixers closed out the season winning 16 in a row. Which, the final eight of which were without Joel Embiid, and it's where we kind of really got to see what a what a 76ers team would look like if it was built around just Simmons. Uh, and they had Mario Bellinelli, who was was really crafty, uh, and Ilya Sova. Like, you put a couple of shooters that can also kind of handle the ball around Simmons, and it's it's a good team. It really points out, you know, this fit is not great, and both Embiid and Simmons are top ten potential talents for for the next decade. 
maybe they won't, won't be top 10. Maybe top 20 is a better thing to say. But, you know, they both could be the lead guy on their own team. And Philly, Philly's seen it since day one. And we can keep trying to run this back, which I feel like they'll do, especially if we don't get a playoffs this year. At some point, they really should just say, hey, we got to break this up. And it doesn't super matter which one we choose. Who would you go with? I feel like at this point I'd go Simmons. Um, just because I I am still scared Same. of that injury risk, I also think Simmons is is a little bit easier to build around if he will uh, if he'll kind of consent to playing a four, you know, a point four. But you just pair him with a bunch of shooters that can also do a little bit of ball handling. You'll need to find uh, a five who can rim protect and shoot threes, but those exist more and more in this league. So I, I think it's doable. And I'd really like to see a team try it. Yeah. I, I mean, I really hope in this next decade that we do get to see that because I would also love to see them play against each other as well. So let me jump into standings and some really cool fast facts. The Nets, the Brooklyn Nets, this jumped out to me. They finished 1-15 in divisional play. Three games worse than the next closest team. Which uh, you, you pointed out The next closest me. teams. You point out to me that the Raptors and the Celtics and the 76ers are all in their same division, and we're the one, two, three in the Eastern Conference. Which yeah, so it's fair that they lost all those games. I'm just saying, what you can't get a second win against the Knicks, like really Brooklyn. Yeah, which is really insane that you couldn't. You're telling me that you lost to the Knicks three times. That's crazy. And technically, we didn't even check to see who their <laughs> one win was against. It very well could have been one of those other teams where you happen to get one out of the twelve. The Knicks actually did win with did end the season with twenty nine games, which is surprising. You know, middle of the pack, not quite the bottom, but nearish the bottom. Um, um, I do want to also. I I did just double check. They lost all four to the Knicks. <laughs> so sad. Um, Only one game was within ten points. They finished a game apart in the standings. So, uh, Brooklyn, we see you trying to tank. You've been called out. Oh, my Lord. Oh, you know what's even worse um, about this? They didn't have their pick. Cleveland has their pick. It's because of, well, because of initially the Pierce Garnett trade. It that you know, sent it to Boston, but then the Kyrie trade. So it's not even like Brooklyn's trying to tank for a good pick. Brooklyn's just bad. So the Suns, uh, some more fun standing stuff. The Suns allowed a league high 113.3 points per game. Uh, That's a recipe for last which place. Is, which is point two lower than the Warriors' average per game when they led the league in scoring. Another another little tidbit from the amazing Suns, who finished 21-61. and 61. They lost by an average of 9.4 points, which is almost a full point lower, higher than the Rockets' averaged win was by. Well, of course, you got a tank to get DeAndre Ayton. Aiden, baby. It's all about Aiden. And last but not least, um, there was a 44-game difference between the top and the bottom in the West and a 35-game difference between the top and the bottom in the East. In the East, every team that made the playoffs was above 500 uh, by four games. There was about a five-game difference between, really, seven-game difference between the fourth seed and the eighth seed in the East. Um... But the bottom three seeds being within a game of each other. I just love that in the West, 
you've got two teams that don't make it with above 500 records. Yep. The ninth seed Nuggets would have been the sixth seed in the East. Yep. Like, I, I can live without yep. the Clippers making it. They would not have made it in the East, which is a nice thing to say. If an above 500 team wouldn't make the playoffs in either conference. Let's let's get into the playoffs. This was an incredible... Um, oh, there was one more thing I wanted to touch on before we uh, continue. Sure. Something I think that's very important. Uniforms changed. Mm, Nike took uh, over uniforms, yeah. Including, yes, Nike took over uniforms. Uh, Home and Away was replaced with Association City Icon Statement, Classic Editions. Also, uniform sponsorships began to pre- appear on league uniforms. As of right now, well, only nine teams did not have a uniform sponsorship this first season. It happened. As of now, all the teams have a sponsorship now. I love the fact that the Clippers are brought to you by Bumble, because that just really says something about the Clippers. Like, <laughs> like you know, if you think about Bumble in relationship to other dating apps... It's, it's kind of like the knockoff, the little brother of Tinder. But in many ways, it's the superior dating app. It is the superior dating app, which, in my opinion. Which, you know, when this was announced, Clippers are better. The Clippers were working their way to be better. Clippers, uh, up until LeBron signs, and even, even with LeBron and the LeBron Kawhi, you can make an argument that the Clippers are like the real team, the better team, and, you know, should be the hipster team. But LA still has the glitz and the glam and the brand recognition. So I just find that to be a wonderful sponsorship because they truly are the Bumble of the NBA. I cannot argue with that. You have Bumble, you got Harley Davidson for the Bucks. Uh, Harley Davidson's also based in Milwaukee. Fitbit for Minnesota. Zatarans for the Pelicans. Squarespace for the Knicks, which I don't really doesn't make any sense for me. Walt Disney obviously is going to be sponsoring the Magic. That's almost perfect. That, that's a good. I feel one. like when they, when we when we dive into the magic, I've got to figure out if they were named the magic because Disney they were. was there. They were a hundred percent named the magic. Ah, because Disney was there. So this was like a match made in heaven. Then. Mm-hmm. Wow, Boston was sponsored by GE, StubHub in Philadelphia, Sun Life Financial. So yeah, these uh, uniform sponsorships were um, important. Yeah, I I don't even notice them very much significant anymore. Dimension. So I'm glad that it didn't distract too much from from the jerseys. And I really do appreciate uh, Nike's willingness to mix up the jerseys. Uh, although I do get confused now that it's not just you wear the light color at home and your darker color on the road, but now you've got like a four jersey rotation. But like a lot of the city uniforms are fun. Some of them are, are terrible. But oh yeah. That, that's another pod. For sure playoffs these playoffs every other round one round would be good next round would be bad uh for instance like the second round of these playoffs if if every series is a sweep you get 16 games if every series goes to seven you get 28 games but we got 19 oh games. that's like a dream so we're closer to sweep territory than we are you know anything else it was it was what one sweep you've been three five-game series, not not what you want out of a playoff series. Definitely not. The first round, actually, it, it had two really good series in the East, uh, and the first was when the Pacers almost decrowned the Cavs, and I, I, I really liked that. That was, with, that was without Oladipo, if I'm pretty sure, right? He had gotten hurt at that point? Or no, no, they had, they had the deeps. The deeps. <laughs> in the deep. So, statistically, Indiana scored more points this series 
Uh, all of Cleveland's wins were really close. Cleveland won game two by three points. Cleveland won game four by four points. They win game five by three points and game seven by four points. Pacers win game one by 18. Pacers win game three by two and game six by like 34. So they, they do a good job um, uh, of really pushing the Cavs to the edge. And it really looked like LeBron was going to lose in the first round when, after making, uh, was it five straight finals, four straight finals? Or going back to Cleveland more than that? It was, I don't even know how long the streak lasted, but th- this young, up-and-coming, uh, Victor Oladipo-led team really pushed LeBron really hard. And I found it to be a great series where LeBron got no help and he had a flex at the end to try to try to close them out. I'd be lying if I told you I wasn't rooting for Oladipo. Oh, as a former Indiana native, I was hardcore rooting for the Pacers during this series. I thought it would have been great. It would have completely destroyed the rest of the playoffs, but the rest of the playoffs weren't that good, so... Yeah, I don't really feel like we're really missing out that much on anything. Yeah. What is it? We also got famous, famous sweep of the Raptors, the end of Dwayne Casey, coach of the year. <laughs> oh, my lord. <laughs> how they almost, how they ca- it's amazing that the Cavs can go from almost losing the series to Indiana to quite legitimately just destroying waxing the Raptors right off the court. Well, like it just it's it's almost rude. You know what I mean? It's almost disrespectful. It's it's when you have so like much in Toronto, the number one seed. Now, granted, by like they they were ahead of Cleveland by nine games. Mm-hmm. You know. Rosen, you know, this was like the team, but like they literally like how many? I wish can you can you find a statistic of how many one seeds were swept in the second round? I not quickly or easily, but yeah, you know, just it can't be that many. Rosen and Lowry kind of fall apart. Rosen goes goes from being a a twenty three points per game score to a sixteen. LeBron was fully in their heads, and you could see it. They had one close game, and LeBron just kind of turned on the Jets and hit. It was a, I don't know if it was a game winner or like a 10-second left, but to win game one. And Raptors were like, okay, cool, we've lost, and we're going to go home now. We lost, and we're going to go home. <laughs> Before we get too far into the, uh, the Cavs uh, playoffs. No, no, we have to go to the Boston-Milwaukee series. It, Obviously, because this is the year that Boston literally had didn't have Kyrie, and this was the birth of Tatum and Terry, Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Like, the three young guys played this great, great rotating thing, and it really, it kind of made Boston look a little bit silly for going in on um, Gordon Hayward, who wasn't there, um, for trading for Kyrie, it did kind of raise the question of, well, maybe, maybe you move Kyrie, maybe you move Hayward, and you just say, all right, we've got this young core, we're going to build around them for ten years. We don't need to rush things. Uh, let's see what they can do in the playoffs. And you could have got more picks. Yeah, <laughs> they could have got more picks. Danny Age loves the picks. He could have got more picks. Oh man, just imagine if they had flipped Kyrie to <laughs> Phoenix, who really wanted him. You a couple of those uh, those good Phoenix picks because oh man I, they would have had eight eight and would have been on the Celtics. I, I don't see uh, I don't see the Booker uh, Kyrie partnership really stopping anyone defensively. So you're still getting good picks. Yeah, that Boston team was the feel good story of the playoffs. 
besides, I mean, if you qualify the, the, the Raptors getting uh, swept as the... Uh, as the heartbreak story of the playoffs? Oh, for sure. I mean, wait, was this the season that J.R. Smith messed up in Game 1? That's probably the heartbreak of the playoffs. Because LeBron became a, it became a meme for eternity. <laughs> I mean, it just this this was a lot of heartbreak, and I think that uh, for Boston, uh, for Boston, which took the Cavs seven games. I mean, well, the Boston Milwaukee series. Let's go. Let's go there. Uh, that, that's before. basically all that guy. Go that was young. It was scary, Terry. He, it was uh, the kind of coming out party for this this young uh, Celtics team. But then also, it's Giannis on the other side, and his first kind of real playoff debut is scoring almost 26, 10 rebounds, 6 assists. It, it was clear that he didn't have enough help around him. And they're still trying to get by with Jabari Parker. Thon, Thon McCurr was starting games. The only major piece that they add at this point is Brooke Lopez, but it, it was kind of a, it was nice to see see the Bucks in the playoffs and see this young founding version of the team and try to try to take off. If we want to float over to the West, yeah, there's really nothing of note until the, the conference final. There's really basically based on the playoffs, there's only really two good teams, and also shocking that Oklahoma City lost in the first round of Utah. It was a little shocking. OKC lost. Also, um, the Blazers getting swept after being the three. So Swept three seed. You know, you don't usually see in the same way. You don't usually see one seeds getting swept up in the second round. You don't usually see three seeds getting swept in the first round. Um, but Anthony Davis just came out really strong. I'm 33 points, 12 rebounds per game. Damian Lillard sure was was good, but all NBA first team Damian Lillard, and rightfully rightfully so. And actually, sorry. I was looking at C.J. McCollum's stat line. Lillard was not good. Lillard was an 18.5 points per game. He really struggled uh, in this series. It'd be you fully expect the Blazers to break it up after this season with just this early playoff exit, and it's it's kind of a testament to that team and these guys that they overcame it and have really made the Western Conference Finals the following year. Yeah, I mean that's if that's a motivating factor if I've ever seen one. Yeah. You know, just being embarrassed. You know, Oklahoma City didn't really run it back after that, did they? No. Uh, they did, and then got bounced in the first round again, which set up uh, Paul George to be like, all right, guys, uh, I'm going to go play with Kawhi in L.A. It's been nice. See ya. It's been nice. Thanks for the party, Russ. I feel like they got. I feel like they lost to uh, Utah the next season as well. Let me see here. I think they lost. I thought they lost to Houston. They lost to Portland. Portland? But okay. still, it was a 4-1, yeah, because Dame hits the, uh, hits the game winner right on Paul George's face. Um, he didn't call bank. He called series. <laughs> series piece um we have two incredibly great conference final in fact they are way better than the nba finals besides nba finals game one well, this should have been which lebron was still riding that it, it should have been the warriors versus the rockets for the championship and boston versus cleveland for for probably third place if we're we're taking things seriously or if we're in a one through 16 i guess then you never get the yeah. Boston Cleveland because you don't play a third place game. But let's let's stick with the East first. Boston, Boston's young guys, and I the thing I remember most about this is Game Seven in Boston. Kyrie and Gordon Hayward both don't attend, and it was like like all right, they're not supporting the team. If Boston wins this, they're not they're not on the team next season. <laughs> Something's definitely happening. You can't you know it, it's just, it's just clear like Hayward and and Kyrie are are both not the most thrilled that their team is doing really well without them. 
Kyrie particularly. Just looking back, LeBron was alone, absolutely alone the entire playoffs. Kevin Love was their second leading scorer with 14.9 points per game. No other Cav averaged 10 points per game the entire playoffs. It's incredible what LeBron did. I really enjoy win shares as a stat because it kind of it looks at not only did you win, but how important were you to winning. And LeBron this year was the fifth highest win shares for a playoff performance, which, to be fair, um, series are longer nowadays. It used to be best of three in the first round. There used to not be as many rounds. So it's, it's not quite a fair comparison, but... He was behind himself in both 12 and 13, behind Duncan in 2003 and Dirk in 06. He was on an island. The second highest guy in his win shares had as many win shares as Kavon Looney had for, for Golden State. <laughs> when you're throwing out Kavon Looney, man, that's... Uh... Yeah, you know, that's how much help he had. And I'm, I'm not a LeBron stand. It kind of pains me that he's in L.A. But looking back on this, and you just look at the statistical uh, performances that he put out, night in, night out, uh, to finish off the Pacers, he had, he had 40-something points. To finish off the Celtics, he had 40-something points. In that game one against Golden State, he puts up 50, and J.R. Smith takes the game from him. It just, LeBron was truly on an island this season and really carried Cleveland to the finals, kicking and screaming and fighting against him for all intents and purposes. Here's some really, really great stats for LeBron. 33.6 points per game uh, during that series. Uh, I also want to throw out a little tidbit that it was the first time since 1979 that both conference finals went to deciding Game 7. Oh, that's cool. LeBron's win shares were incredible. In the playoffs, LeBron averaged 34, 9, 9, 1.4 steals in one block. That's, that's absurd. I mean, I... And, like, you'd really hope that there was someone else. And this is this is why you kind of have to look at each season on its own. Uh, I've been I've been in a couple of internet debates recently about how good was Hakeem Olajuwon. People always like to point out that, oh, he won without any other All-Stars. Well, yeah, but no. You know, uh, Drexler was still really good. Sam Cassell wasn't an All-Star yet, but he became one. Technically, this season, LeBron had Kevin Love as a second All-Star. But really, if you just look at the playoff numbers, he he was by himself. He really was by himself for that Game 1, <laughs> Game 2. Oh, my goodness. That Game 1. Uh, but uh, out west? we need to go venture out west like Lewis and Clark. Daryl Morey said that the Rockets need to raise their risk profile to compete with Golden State, and they really do compete with Golden State. It's in every other game series for the first four. Rockets take game five, but lose Chris Paul in it. And, you know, they're, they're going home for game six with a chance to close it out, and the Warriors just dominate them. All season long, Golden State have been known for their second half of, uh, play really their third quarter blitzes do you do you want to just guess how badly golden state outscored houston did you check the notes or? um i'm guessing they outscored them by what like 38 i don't know if i can pull that stat up but so houston look, let's just guess guess how many points houston scores in the second half of game six uh this is their chance to win the championship in the second half Yep. 31. They scored 24 point, or 25 points the entire second half. Wow, you're absolutely right. I'm looking right now. Jeez. 16 in the third, 9 in the, the fourth. War- the Warriors scored 64 t- t- points to the Rockets' 25. 
That's a 39-point swing in what should be a closeout game for Houston. Wow. It's crazy. Golden State took game one, and the Rockets came roaring back. Then Golden State took game two. Rockets took game three by a close margin. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, Game four by a close margin. Five. Rockets won another close one, and then that was pretty much it. Really, once once the Warriors get cooking from three, you're done. That was the Clay Thompson. Uh, wow. Game seven. The Thompson game. Game seven was was similar. For, uh, Houston goes into halftime with a nine point lead, and third quarter, Golden State goes on a thirty three to fifteen run for the quarter, and that's that's the series right there. Wow. And, and Curry hitting five or four threes in the third quarter, and and Houston's just done. They're unraveling. I wanted to touch on this. Uh, this just interesting statistic came across my screen, um, and I wanted to, I wanted to use this opportunity to throw some shade at you. Two fast facts about this series, okay. throwing shade specifically at you. First, Warriors first game seven road win since 1948. And guess what? The other interesting fact is first. I don't know, but I don't know how that first one was shit. No, no, at me. it wasn't shit at you. Just the second one is specifically towards you because yes. Okay. This was the first time that a Western Conference team won a game seven on the road since the O one O two Los Angeles Lakers. Now now I get the shade. Oh yeah. Uh, now I understand. Hey man, can't help that people wanted to see the Lakers, not the Kings. <sighs> can't help can't help that's what David Stern wanted. David Stern is the people. Let's just touch on the finals. Touch on the finals. Quick, I mean, I think... there's nothing really... It's amazing that we like we go through the whole season, but like we get to the finals and it's just like... I mean, I'm sure we'll have a lot more to talk about when we go to the 2016 finals. Not really much until then. I mean, it shouldn't have been a sweep. A sweep. It should have been 4-1. It shouldn't have been... You already mentioned J.R. Smith's just the meme brain of... dead moment. <laughs> the meme of, this, of the uh, year. On that one, I mean, I, I, I can, I'll never get that image out of my head of LeBron just beside himself. Bears repeating that only happened because of a missed free throw that would have put the Cavs up. So if that free throw is made, we're not scapegoating. Oh, in uh, J.R. Smith. Yeah. Wait, wait, that guy at the free Dude, throw line. His name was. He was one. That was George, George Hill. Hill. Yeah. Oh man, you, we talked about George Hill in the other podcast or earlier in this podcast. And Hill is a good free throw shooter. Yeah, or it's not like traded for bad Kawhi Leonard. Shooter. If Hill, if Hill makes it, we don't have this whole J.R. Smith talk. Two, J.R. Smith could have gotten that rebound and put it up, which would have been what everyone would have thought to do. Put up that shot instantly. And if he puts up that shot instantly and misses, there's still there were four seconds left when he got the rebound. So if he just catches it, flips it back up, Golden State still has time to catch that ball, call a timeout, advance the ball, and, and have like a second or two to try to make a shot like diagram a play. So there's a chance that that none of this is J.R. Smith's fault. Cleveland could have both won or lost the game without J.R. Smith doing anything. True. Um not not that I want to be the guy that defends J.R. Smith, but I just think it, it you know, we should have that talk. Fair. Um LeBron had 51 points in that game. 51. Disgusting that, that he lost a 51 point. It was only 49 in regulation, but. Yeah. You know. I mean, Love had 13 rebounds. It wasn't I think Love actually kind of showed that up. Overt- so, in overtime, Golden State scores the first nine points. 
They're just better. Yeah, all I can say is they're just they're better. I don't know. Um, you know, yeah. a lot of people call Cleveland doesn't score. Cleveland doesn't score for the first three minutes of overtime. At that point, it's just too late. It is. It is. Um, I would say that overall, you know, a lot of people said, but the, at least my takeaway from this final is like a lot of people were like. I do remember watching game one, by the way. I did watch game one. I did. It was a great it game. Was a great, it was the last great game of the playoffs. Um, it's just like you could really see. I don't think that any team from the East would have come close. I think Boston would have gave up some, a little bit of trouble. But... I think Boston would have probably played better defensively against them because it, they sort of play like they're almost like a defensive Warriors team that year. You know, sometimes having younger players that can really get into the skin um, and are willing to chase and run around, sometimes that's better if, if you're trying to be the trying to make an upset. Yeah. Um, but you know, Kevin Durant. I really, I don't, get, I mean, yeah, he's got championships, he's got two rings. I personally do not, I mean, I just really will always have this against him for taking the joy out of basketball when he did when he signed with them. He did well, but, like, that Cavs team was a four seed. Like, it was LeBron. LeBron still crushed it. Like, it wasn't, the, the Cavs really weren't a great team. I think I think multiple things can be true and this is why I hate rings culture and this is why I hate um, I hate the discussion of you know oh this guy didn't make the final so he's not as good as the player the other guy um, where, where I see this the most is the Reggie Miller uh, Ray Allen debate where Allen didn't make the finals and Miller did so Miller's obviously the better player so much comes down to who you were with who you played against um i I had the same debate in a kareem versus hakeem debate hakeem played with less help i'm using air quotes there but he also didn't beat as good of players and i think durant's titles will will always be impacted not just by the help that he had but by the lack of help that lebron had and LeBron, LeBron's legacy, when what I wanted to bring up with that win shares is, he did so much with so little. He's that's the highest win shares without winning a championship, which win shares are dependent on wins, in large part, and it, statistically, you can make a strong case that LeBron had a better playoffs than Durant as an individual basis while Durant walks away with more team success because he was on a better team. I mean, he went and grabbed two championships real quick just so he could say he had them, mm-hmm. pretty much. It's just to, mm-hmm. to stuff the coffer, you know? And I don't... I think that... I personally think that they're meaningless. Um, I think if he wins one with Brooklyn and Kyrie... When the NBA comes back, I mean Durant might be 34 by then. Um, at this rate, when, um, 
I would give him a lot more respect. Hell, if they had won it, they when we go into that 2016 season, you know, because he would have had a. I mean, do you, can you pull up the win share for Durant's win share total for the Warriors? I feel like it's evenly distributed, right? The Warriors. It's it's not evenly distributed. It's based on on each guy's productivity. So he was at four win shares for the playoffs. Um, but to put it in perspective, Curry played six fewer games because Curry was hurt during those playoffs, and Curry's at two point one mm. wins win shares. So I think I don't know. I just think that they're meaningless championships for Durant, um, and I hate it because it kind of taints Curry's two titles, and I think that. You know the warrior like the Warriors could have won more championships without Durant. I think the the series would have been far more interesting without Durant there. Absolutely. You know Durant made the series unwatchable. He was a good player. He just was. It seemed like he was at a party. He just. You know what I mean. He was at like a party. He wasn't entirely in, like invited to. Well, it, it just it, it it stopped being a fair fight, and it's so so to get back to the the debate I was in with Hakeem and uh, Kareem, you know the people that were arguing for Hakeem were trying to say, well, Kareem had magic and Kareem had worthy, and Kareem had all of these other guys, and I I was just pulling up the teams that they were playing against. I'm like, yeah, but Kareem had to play against. The Bird, Mikhail, uh, Parrish, uh, DJ, like, he played against teams that had seven Hall of Famers on them. Yeah. So, sure, he had four Hall of Famers. But it was a, it was a fair fight. It was, you know, both of these teams are stacked and loaded. And when Hakeem won his championships, he beat Patrick Ewing, whose second best player was John Starks. So is John Starks even the top 100 you know, players ever? No. All oh, right. So he didn't no. even have a top 100 player with him. Uh, yeah. So you know you can uh, you can make this whole argument of oh Drexler wasn't that good. Drexler was still all in. Drexler's still a top 100, team. right? Drexler Drexler was great. But Drexler Drexler the only Drexler had a 40 point game to save Houston's ass. That's not. The Knicks took him to seven, but. Right, but but the the point here is, is that Golden State, being this loaded team, is really when juxtaposed against Cleveland being such a depleted team, makes this finals and makes these playoffs. That's that's what makes this bad. It's not just that Durant had so much help around him, but it was that other teams didn't. Because we've had times in the NBA history where. Everyone has this much help, and we've had times where no one has this help. But it was it was a clear. The Warriors have guys upon guys. No one else has it, and the Warriors almost lost. And not almost. They they took care of business, but they were pushed to the edge. They 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 faced elimination twice and came out on top. Yeah, I'm talking game six and game seven. Yeah. I mean, by all means, the the Rockets very well could have been here, and I I think the Cavs yeah. would have gave the Rockets a good run. 
I think, yeah, that, that would have been a more fair fight. Yeah. And it would have just been beautiful. I think... I know we uh, we try to assign asterisks to all championships um, because that's the... I think every cha- championship has an asterisk. But really, aside from the Chris Paul one, um, I don't think you can really say that this has any major asterisk just with how dominant the Warriors were. No. Is there any other asterisk you can think yeah, of? Yeah, I could say... Here's an interesting asterisk. If Kyrie, what if happens if Kyrie and Hayward don't get hurt? Do the Boston does Boston blow up a year earlier than they did? You know, I think that's an interesting asterisk to throw in there too. Or does it work out mm-hmm. because it's the first it, season? You know, that's that's a theoretical good one. Um, the other one is what if what if the Cavs do win Game One? Um, LeBron quasi may have broken his hand after the game and in frustration, which is why the Warriors steamroll them. You know, if Cleveland takes Game One, maybe this is a competitive series. Maybe, maybe you do see the the other Cavs because it's not like they had bad players. They just they they weren't players on the same level, and they didn't play up to the level that they needed well, to play. LeBron gave up after Game One. It was evident that he gave up after yeah. Game One. He was I'm like, "We were this close to beating like the most ridiculous team ever." Yeah. So I do think you know I I, I still think Warriors win. So I'm not sure I can really fully commit to that being an asterisk. Yeah, I think I think Boston being healthy, Chris Paul being healthy are, are two good ones. So it's really funny here, because this also marks the bookend of the Cavs-Warriors. This is chapter four. Um, mm-hmm. What's really nice is, what's really funny I actually find, uh, is that the Cavs should have won the first one in 2015. And they would have won the first one in 2015 if Irving and Love both didn't get hurt. And I think that, in my... I disagree, but we'll get that. Ah! I think that that was LeBron single-handedly once again. I thought that was like LeBron's greatest performance, but then you're throwing me numbers at this playoff performance from LeBron. He's just a one-man show, really. He's capable of, like... Hmm. If I'm ever on a sinking ship and LeBron is on it, I'm going to be like, you're saving all of us. Just do it. Swim us all Exactly. I'm like, you can do it. I've seen you do it. I saw you carry the entire city on your back. We're only, what, a couple hundred passengers. You could do that. Everybody jump on LeBron. We'll be fine. He'll carry us all. <laughs> LeBron is the great life preserver. That if that should be his nickname in, in history. In the hall, once he's in the Hall of Fame, just put life preserver. Just put a life preserver around his like bust or something on a statue outside uh, Queen Loans Arena. Just put a life preserver and be like, thank you, LeBron. In fact, that might be a business idea for well, me. I think, at, I think at this point, we should probably call the podcast. Yes, we're, we're approaching the two-hour mark. This is crazy. There's some dead times. I can probably trim this down into about an hour and a half. We'll, we'll see how much editing I want to do on my stay-at-home bachelor party. <laughs> because my bachelor party got canceled this weekend. Yeah, we were supposed to be doing this pod from PTO. Savannah. I want to go to Savannah. We will, and we will pod from Savannah as well when this is all done. Um, so that concludes. We'll do our we'll do our Atlanta Hawks teams team history in Atlanta. Oh my goodness, it'd be beautiful. Let's go to Phillips Arena. I'll uh, I'll dress up like uh, Mookie Blaylock. Break out the Dominique Wilkins jersey. Oh man, Dom. This has been another edition of the Hoops Temple podcast. I am your host Richard Blue and. He is Nathan Schwartz. We'll be back next time we're doing another Kevin Durant winning season. I feel like that year was also kind of boring. It is, but it's 
it's the last of the the kind of boring years. I've, there was there was some fun stuff. I've I've been working on the outline for it. You're gonna love it. There's a lot of coaching hires. Uh, it's it's the year of the uh, cap spike. So transactions, we can discuss all of the fun ones like the Knicks signing Joakim Noah, uh, the Lakers signing Luol Deng and Mozgov. I've got the cap numbers for those. Oh so. my goodness, the Mozgov. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, just just get ready. It'll be fun. I mean, yeah. I mean, we're just the playoffs will be so short. It'll be ridiculous. We're like, oh, the Cavs won. I mean, the Warriors won. That's really all we need to know. Yeah. That's it. But yeah, this is another edition, and we'll be back with the sixteen seventeen season. And you guys have a yes, great day or night or whatever time you're listening to this. And uh, oh, and last thing, last plug here. As always, our theme, uh, Lady Loop, by my friends in the Animal Liberation Orchestra, ALO, from their 2007 album, Roses and Clover, on Brushfire Records. And uh, we'll see you guys. All right. See ya.